This morning we're continuing our series in the true gospel, and uh, we are examining uh, false gospels that are prevalent in the world and the church today that can circulate even within our own church, and especially, more importantly, creep their way into our hearts because each of our hearts is prone to wander from truth. And so our goal is to examine the gospel and point out what's untrue so that our hearts may fully abide in what's good and true in Christ. And so I want to review a little bit some of what we've already covered. We've covered elements of the gospel. Not not saying that this is a, a, a closed definition of the gospel, but there's certain things when you read through the gospels themselves that you can't pull these things apart from the gospel and it still is the gospel. And so some of those elements is that God's kingdom is here. Jesus Christ brought God's kingdom to us, and it is here already, but not yet. And that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, he has died for our sins, and he was resurrected. That's the content, the message of the gospel. But then you notice in Jesus, it's not that he was just giving information out there. It's not a class where you just sit through the class and just, oh, that was good information. There was a call, there is a call to the gospel today. And that call is that repentance of sin, belief in the gospel, and following of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting. In order to follow Christ, there has to be some element. This is just a reflection I've been thinking of this week. There has to be some element of sobriety or humility in our life. If you're anything like me... I love to, for things to be going well all the time. Of course we do. We don't want pain in our life. We love joy. We love a good time. We love happiness in our family. And yet, if what the Bible says is true, it will not always be that way because sin lives within me. Sin lives within you. The world is broken and pain finds its way in. And we want to try to sometimes stuff it and push it to the side. But if we really believe the gospel, we have to take stock to sometimes be somber and realize our brokenness, other people's brokenness, the brokenness in the world, and decide how am I going to respond to that. So, so far as we've uh, been studying the gospel, we've seen that, you know, what we believe determines how we're going to live the, type of the, the gospel that we believe and teach determines who we become as people. So it's very important that we examine what it is that we believe. Uh, the true gospel, what it will do is it creates disciples who are forgiven followers of Christ. One of the false gospels that's out there in the world is forgiveness only. That that there's no call to action. When in reality, the, the word believe in the Bible or trust, when Jesus says believe in me, it's not just an intellectual, mental belief, but it's a physical trusting, like sitting in a chair. And so to say, you know, believe in Jesus and that's not the way of your life is completely false. So a true gospel is a forgiven believer in Jesus Christ that follows Jesus Christ. We've also seen, and that's the forgiveness only deceit that, that's out there today and, and can happen in our own hearts. Uh, also, there's leaving, uh, what, what a true gospel will create in a disciple is someone who will leave comfort for a selfless life. 
Again, nothing wrong with comfort and, and goodness and a little wine, a little cheese and a little carne and all these things. But the reality is that we were made for more than to only live for comfort and only live for ourselves. The call of the gospel says this world is broken and God wants to make things right and he's made me to be part of that. And that's the consumer gospel today. That it's just about feeding our comfort and we're like in that Disney movie where, I can't think of the name right now. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, it's evading me. But I know there's a spaceship and the little dude's down. Somebody call that out for me. The little guy's, uh, le- yes. Who said that? Wally. It's like Wally. We're living, thank you, Adrian. We're living in Wally, right? Where we're just like getting stuffed and we're not living our true purpose to love the way God's called us. We're meant for more than to be consumers. Or the prosperity gospel. And the antithesis of that is that we're made those who are humble bond servants of Christ. Yes, God's kingdom is here. Yes, God's kingdom is now. But uh, the prosperity gospel promises things that are simply untrue. That there would be no death. There would be no sickness. Just have faith. And God's going to give everything to you right now. Which is not promised in the scripture. No, we're just called to daily, faithfully trust and serve God despite circumstances because we know God is good. And today we're going to examine the cultural gospel or social gospel. Uh, And the true gospel in opposition to a cultural gospel will produce disciples who love both in truth and in action. So I want to ask all of us a question this morning as, as we examine this cultural gospel. Would you compromise truth for relationship? Or let me put it a different way. Have you ever been in a position where you were forced or tempted or challenged to compromise truth for relationship? To, to, to let go of your convictions, to go against what you know to be true in order for relationship? I know the obvious answer to that is yes for all of us in many ways. I could think of some examples. You start dating somebody and of course there's attraction and somebody wants to move things along towards sex and you're thinking uh, male or female, right? You're thinking like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if the time is right yet. And, but you're being pushed into a position where in your heart you're saying, no, no, this is not right, not yet. And you're being pushed to make that decision to give in. Or I can think of another example of of lying about something. Whether it be uh, at school or in work or in family or so many circumstances where there's a lie on the table. And it's there for the taking where you're thinking, should I go along with this lie or not? Should I participate in this lie or not? Or maybe uh, a situation where... Somebody's on a steady diet of drugs or alcohol or they're verbally or physically abusive and they're saying it's not a problem, it's not an issue, just go along with it. But in your heart you're saying, no, it it is a problem, it is an issue, this doesn't feel right. I've given a couple examples, but I want you to sit where you are right now in your own life and think if recently has there been a situation where you've been challenged to compromise what's true in order to love or in order to maintain relationship. It's something that we 
face often. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is it possible to forego truth and really have love? Can you do that? Can you forego what you know is good and actually still have real, tangible love? What is really love? The cultural gospel is all about action at the expense of truth. Here's some of the ways that it plays itself out in the church or in the world today. It will say things like, nobody's going to hell. Uh, relax on the spiritual stuff. The spiritual stuff isn't that important. What's really important is to go out there and address all the physical needs in this world. Uh, the poor and the sick. And again, not that those are not important, but it will put spiritual matters or truth to the side to say, let's just solve all the problems in this world. Uh, it rejects teachings to the exclusivity of Christ. What's really important is world peace and everyone getting along. Uh, it rejects the existence of hell. It, 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 it rejects that there's a sureness of judgment one day. Do we believe that God is who he claims to be, the Messiah, the creator, or are we just on a path of goodness? And there's a movement in our world, politically, socially, amongst many things, to try to make all things included, all things right. Uh, people's different opinions about abortion, about what's happened historically in our country and even in the world racially or sexual orientation or poverty or riches. And, and it's interesting, there's even an attack now on, on wealth, right? There's everybody that the problems in the world are because the wealthy people just don't, just don't give enough. We just got to tax those that are rich. And not to say that maybe there isn't some greed in corporations or there isn't, that none of that's possible, but there's always a target one side or the other, and it's all about let's just somehow make everything okay without looking at what's true. Let's just address all the needs right now. Uh, here's an example that I can think of, um, and without going into a lot of details today, but we know racially our country uh, is a marred country, a country that many things have happened that are wrong, as is in the world. So one of the ideas that's being discussed in Congress is, should we pay reparations? Should we go back and say, hey, because you suffered in slavery, because you were discriminated against, uh, we're going to try to do something financially to make that right. Now, in and of itself, maybe not necessarily a bad thing. Giving uh, financial blessing to others uh, for any reason is never a bad thing. And certainly when somebody's been through something horrific, it's not a bad thing. But you know what's interesting about our country we live in? We're insanely in debt insanely in debt, trillions and trillions of dollars. And not just that issue, but every issue, we think we can just throw money at it. And what's funny is we don't even have the money. It's not sitting in the bank account where let's go borrow money, let's go borrow money, because we think that somehow we can just solve every issue in and of our own strength, our own might. And I think we've seen by now it's not possible. We need more than, than what we're trying to throw at things uh, to fix them. There's no quick fixes. There's no fix even that's out there without examining real truth. So I want to pray for a moment and then I want to dive into scripture and I want to see what does, what does real love look like from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to go to your word this morning. 
And Lord, uh, this is a, a sensitive topic as we are uh, strongly opinionated about wanting to do good in this world, about wanting everyone of every orientation and every color of skin and every uh, background socially, economically, across the board, Lord. We want everyone to be honored and treated right and fairly. And we have very strong opinions. And God, you, you're not unaware that in the process of that, the temptation that has crept its way into the world and even into the church and even into the gospel of your son is to throw truth to the wayside or to shove truth so strongly that we're not really doing what you've even called us to do, and that's be loving. So we come to you today, Father, and we ask that you would help us to be people that hold firmly to what's true so that we can be the most loving people in this community. And that when people see Laredo, when they see Grace and every other Christian and follower of Christ here in this city, that we are known to be a people that are wise and true and unbelievably loving. Help us to live with that call that's your call. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 uh, to 19. And I want to read a little bit about uh, what, the God, what the Bible has to say about uh, truth according to the gospel and love. Verse 16 in 1 John chapter 3 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed but indeed, and I wanted to emphasize the end, in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Our hearts can have peace, they can have tranquility, but when our lives are actually about love, are actually about the pursuit of the honor and dignity of everyone and relationship, but we do it that we never cast truth to the side. That's what the scripture has to say about the message of Jesus Christ. You can turn with me or, or follow along on the screen. Another verse is 1 Timothy 1.5. It says this, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith. Real truth, according to God's word, aims at love. The aim of our love the aim of the love is that it would come from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That our actions come from a pure and true place, God's word. You know, what's interesting about love is that truth leads to love. The, the goal of understanding truth is that we would love. The whole purpose of, of truth is to lead to love. Truth is the means. It's the means to love. Truth is subordinate to love. Truth serves relationships. It serves love. It serves making things right. 
truth serves relationships, our relationship between us and God. We can't relate to him on falsehood. The only way to know God is to know him in truth, in what he says is true and what we know to be true, according to what he defines as true. So truth serves our relationship with God. Truth serves our relationships with each other, with those that are far from God, with those within the body of Christ. Truth is what bonds every relationship together. The goal of all of our education and understanding of the Bible is that we would love. That's the purpose of all of it. And so we need to understand that the purpose of why God gives us truth is to love. In fact, you really can't have relationship without truth. You cannot have love without truth. And so again, I'm going to throw some hot topics of of the day out here. Uh, Abortion. The definition of a man and a woman. Is there such a thing as a definition of a man and a woman? Race. And how race is viewed and how we treat each other racially. Um, Our view of those that are poor. Our view of those that are considered to be rich. You can go on and on and on. But politically, culturally, we're talking about these things today. And there is some sort of essence in all of these things to say something either is true about these things or is not And those things that are true are meant to serve our unity and our kindness and our love towards one another. But in trying to pursue love in this world, love in this church, we need truth is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says this. Speaking of love, the famous passage on love that many of you probably had read at your wedding. Love, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. So while I previously said that truth aims at love, it's also true that love aims at what's true. When we seek to actually be loving, we want to point people to truth because truth brings about love. Love is glad when truth is spoken. Love aims at truth. Love supports truth. You know, in the, in the life of Paul, I want to uh, quickly read, I'm not going to bring this verse up, but quickly read uh, something from his life in 2 Corinthians. He says to the church in Corinthians, he says, Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you, I wrote to you with many tears. Not so that you would be made sorrowful, I didn't want to make you uh, pay, have pain, but that you might know the love that I have especially for you. Because Paul had so much love for these people and he saw that they were not living in what was true, what was good and what was right. He was willing to confront it lovingly because he cared for them. So our love sometimes needs to point out truth because we care for people so much. And this is an example of it in scripture. That Paul lived that out. You know, I can think of... um, and I'm going to get in trouble because I'm throwing all these things out politically today, right? But I can think of something, uh, and, I, and I'm trying to say these things in very sensitive ways. So uh, my, my goal is not to offend anyone. But there was a very famous trial this week uh, you might have heard of. between It's been going on for weeks between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And finally, a verdict was reached. An opinion was reached of what was true and what was untrue and what happened uh, between these two individuals and defaming one another, right? But what was interesting that I want to point out is, uh, so Johnny Depp, the opinion was in favor of Johnny Depp. That's what the, the, the jury decided, that, that, that 
basically, uh, he was right in what he was saying. And what was interesting is, you know, Amber Heard had been speaking up for this movement society, the Me Too movement. And somebody from that movement, a very famous person, came out and said, you see, this is an example of why we got to keep fighting the cause. Because you see everything's still stacked against us and everything's still wrong and we just got to keep pushing forward. Now, it is possible, I don't know. The jury did their best to discern based on the facts what they could decide. But we don't know, we don't really know everything that happened between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, and, and in other situations, we don't know. And our, is, is there truth in our world that women are not being treated right? Absolutely. There's all sorts of abuse against women today in this world. But what was interesting that you could pick up blatantly across this woman who was saying these things was, I could care less what the jury thinks. I could care less. If the results weren't for Amber, then we got to keep fighting at all costs. If you, don't, if you don't side with me, you're wrong. And even if that example is one that's like, ah, oh, hard to believe because you're like, no, 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 she should have won. Just think for a second, church. Do you not see that anywhere else in the world today where we or people in the world are fighting for things and we could care less what's actually true or what might be true. We just have to have people side with us. And if you don't side with me, you're wrong. How could we possibly ever hope to have any love or any truth in this world if it's not possible that sometimes there actually is a right and a wrong and one person that said something was true and one person that said something that was wrong. And sometimes it's gonna be a man that was wrong and sometimes it's gonna be a woman that was wrong and sometimes it's gonna be a child and some... But with no truth, how can we have any love? Ephesians 4, 15 says this, rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Do you know that love should shape the way that we speak truth? Let me give you an example of that. Many churches are not willing to say what's right and wrong. But many churches, you come into church and they'll be very quickly to say something like, just so you know, gay marriage is wrong. Just letting you know, we're letting you know that's wrong. And the church will say nothing else about it and move on. Now, anyone that has chosen a life of same-sex attraction or struggles with same-sex attraction didn't just end up there overnight. There's something in their circumstances, something in their soul that obviously they're living a certain way for a reason. And sometimes we love to throw things out there that, let me say something else, church. If anyone wants truth, you don't need a pastor to give it to you. These matters, these cultural things that are happening, if you really wanna know what's true, you don't need me to get up here and declare it for you. It's plain and obvious in God's word. He doesn't let his opinion be unknown on these matters at all. I don't got to stand up here and pound it and, oh, that's right, preach, pastor. You know, we can be a jerk when we do that. And hear me, I'm not saying that we shouldn't say what's true and what's right. We should. 
but we need to understand where people come from and why they're living, why they're living. Because the truth is the Bible does say that marriage is meant for a man and a woman. But when we just condemn things very quickly, we push people aside and we focus on certain things that are wrong and not other things that are wrong. I often think, how can I even get up and preach the gospel because God continues to smack me in the face with my choices because I'm a sinner. But the whole beauty of the gospel is that we're all sinners and that God loves us all and that we should be the most inclusive place on the planet where everyone can feel welcome despite anything in their life. Anyone. But that understanding never compromises truth. Giving understanding to others is not compromising what's true, but it's also not being a jerk about it because then people don't even come to the truth because we're unwelcoming. So church, truth, it shapes how we love. And we can never give into this false gospel that moves away from truth, that doesn't declare it, but we can never become a church either that doesn't speak with compassion and love and understanding. The gospel makes us whole. The true gospel creates disciples who love in both truth and in action and do not compromise on one or the other. We're honest to both of those things. So here's what I want to leave you with. Is there any conversations that you need to have in your life? Because there's been an absence of honesty. You know that if there's something that's wrong in your life or in someone else's life that you deeply care for, and you haven't confessed it to them or you haven't acknowledged it, whether it's your shortcoming towards them or their shortcoming, we're not living in truth. We're not living in truth. And you can't have a relationship that's alive where there's secrets or distruth. Is there anyone, a, a child, a spouse, a person you work with, someone member of this church family that you need to have a conversation and say, hey, I haven't been honest about some things or I'm hiding something. And you know what's crazy? And I'll just use marriage as an example. Any marriage, a real marriage, you are gonna hurt each other. You know why? Because you're two sinners. And husbands, you, we gotta, like Pastor Eddie challenges us so well, we gotta man up. We gotta love our wives when they fall short. And women, you need to be tough too to recognize that we're not perfect and you gotta be willing to realize that, that there's only one that'll never disappoint you and that's God. And love us when we fall short so that our marriages can thrive because we both fall short. And so one thing I wanna ask, is there any conversation you need to have with anybody because you haven't been fully honest? I also want to ask us this question. Is there anywhere where you've been compromising truth or you've been compromising love? Is there anyone you need to be more sensitive towards and more understanding, more patient? Or is there anyone where you need to bring more truth? Jesus, when he faced a woman who was caught in adultery and the men in the church were ready to stone her, 
because that was the practice of the time, he drew a line in the sand and he said, anyone that's without sin, be the first one to throw the stone. And slowly, one by one, every accuser left. And he turned to the woman and he said, where are your accusers? She said, no one, no one's here. He said, well, neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more. That's the gospel, church. We've all sinned. But let's take this message now and go and sin no more and love others in that love and in that truth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that what's touched us today, God, is the words from your book and what's true and what the gospel really is. Perfect truth and perfect love, kindness, understanding, founded on truth. God, we pray and ask that you would give us better relationships. God, we pray and ask that you would help us to be involved in our church, in our community, in our politics, in our businesses, in our homes, seeking after what's true in a loving way. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody at Grace said, right now one of our elders, Alex Blanco, is going to lead us in communion. There is no greater demonstration of truth and love than what our Savior did for us on the cross when he willingly went and took the punishment that we should have taken ourselves. And on the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures to prove that he was who he said he was. When we come together to celebrate communion, we celebrate his death, his body, and his blood that was given for us.